All right, I want to welcome our internet audience. Um, and so we're, we're glad that you're part of what we're doing here. And we are continuing our study of the Gospel of John. We are in John chapter 20. We have several verses we're going to focus on, beginning with verse 19. And this, is, this will be Jesus' first appearance to the collective group of the disciples. Uh, and so it, it's on Sunday night, uh, the first day. Uh, and so if you open your Bibles, you can read along with me, John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now, let's get an idea of what this is like. They're in an upper room. The door is locked, and they're cowering. They're afraid of the, Jew, of the Jewish leaders. They're afraid that they will be uh, murdered and taken prisoner uh, and crucified the way Jesus was crucified. And so they're filled with every element of fear that a human being could be, be filled with. And Jesus comes into the room. Uh, and uh, this, this incredible uh, meeting must have been electric. As he walked into the room, uh, he says to them, uh, peace be with you. And he then gives them and lets them see his hands, the scars in his hands and his side, and they're overjoyed when they see this. Now, uh, the word that he said, I mean, we, we understand this from theologians, was shalom. That's the word that he used, shalom, which is a pretty uh, pregnant word. Uh, it's a word that means a lot more than just a mere hello. Effectively what it is, it's a word that means may God, may the Lord bless you in every way. May the Lord be with you. Uh, and, and that's what shalom was. And so you can imagine what this was like. Was they, they were there and they knew that Jesus had been crucified and had been buried and now they had heard rumors, some of the disciples had individually seen him, uh, and, and now they, they collectively come, the women had told them that they had seen, them, seen him, and now there they are in this upper room, and they see Jesus in front of them, and he allows them to touch them, to see his wounds, to look at where the sword had gone through his side, uh, and, and so it's an incredible scene. And so this, effectively what we learn here at this point is that because Jesus died on the cross for us, uh, we are justified before, the, before God. And I, want, and I want to go through some of these verses again that, we, that drills down on that. Turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God through Lord Jesus Christ. And I was speaking to some people this week about that to understand what it means. Uh, because uh, it's difficult for us as human beings to look at people who are not Christians and, and to understand that they are not at peace with God. I'm sorry to say that, all right? It's a, it, it, I'm, tr I'm not being mean-spirited. I'm not being biased. I'm being theologically correct. And that is this. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you are effectively at war with God. You are not at peace with God. Uh, and, and so that's why your heart should, should break for your friends and family that are not Christians. 
uh, because they don't have this relationship that you do. And it's not just a relationship that makes you feel good as you walk in this world. It's a relationship that allows your prayers to be answered. Their prayers are not being answered. Now, God may, from time to time, answer a prayer like that from someone that's not a believer in the event, thinking that that prayer might open salvation to them, that might open the door. But just as a general rule, that if you're not justified by the faith in Jesus Christ, you're not justified, then you, are not, you do not have a relationship with God and you are still adverse to God. It's, it's an amazing thing, and, and we have to understand this. And we're going to speak later on in this outline today about reconciliation. Because not, not only are you justified now, that not only has there been propitiation in which the sin penalty has been paid in full by Jesus Christ, but now also you are reconciled by God through Jesus. Meaning what? Meaning that you are now looked at by God as part of the family of God. You are now the brothers and sisters of Jesus. Isn't that extraordinary? All that done on the cross, and all you had to do was accept him as your Lord and Savior. And full reconciliation takes place. And that's the ministry that God wants us to give uh, to a world. So we understand again that this comes about totally by what Jesus did on the cross. It has nothing to do with your good works. I know we look at people and say, but John, he's a good person. Look at the money he gives to charity. Look at the moral life that he lives. How can you say that God doesn't recognize that? I don't say it. The Bible says it. Okay? Don't argue with me. Argue with God. All right? I don't say it. Hey, if I were writing a story, everybody would get in if they were good, all right? But my goodness is looked at as dirty rags by God. You understand that? My goodness is looked at by dirty rags uh, by God. So we cannot begin to understand the sovereignty and holiness of God until we study Scripture. And you see this here. And so when Jesus is speaking of peace, he comes into this room, these people are cowering, and he says, Shalom, may the, may the peace of God be with you in every way. When he says that, effectively what he's saying is that he, through the cross, has made peace with God for us. You were at war with God. You didn't even know it, but you were in ongoing adverse revolt to God. It was as if you're shaking your fist at God. I'm going to do my own thing. I don't need you. I don't need your son. I'll have my own religious philosophy. I'll lead a good life. Uh, I don't buy that Jesus Christ is the son of God and he died on the cross for me. I don't need what you're doing, God. And so as you're saying that, you're in open, adverse revolt with God. But Jesus, not only has he saved you, but he now allows you to be at peace with God. Uh, and this is an important thing to understand. God made peace with men at the cross of Jesus Christ. That's how important the cross was. God made peace with men at, at the cross of Jesus Christ. And God has defined this peace in a very precise way. And so if you're going to enter into the peace of God, uh, it must be by faith in him, by what he has done. It's very simple. You want to have the peace of God? It's very simple. You have to believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus. You've accepted him as your Lord and Savior. Then you have the peace of God and the peace of with God. Uh, and it's very simple. That's how it comes into your life. Um, and so when Christ offers us peace, he does so in another sense as well. Um, and, and Jesus offers us 
uh, the peace that says, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be fearful about anything. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. And this is what, what was done at the cross as well. I mean, it's amazing the number of things that were taking place at the, at the cross. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wow, that was done at the cross by Jesus Christ. That's the peace of God. The world will never have this. It means that no matter what you go through, no matter how difficult the suffering is or the darkness, the peace of God will go with you. Now, it doesn't mean you act like you had a lobotomy. It doesn't mean that. It means that you recognize the seriousness of what you're in, but you also recognize that God is holding you in his hand, that nothing is going to take place to you that is not within the perfect will of God. Even sickness, John? Yes. Even sickness. Even death, John? Even death. All of it within the perfect will of God. And the peace that flows from Jesus Christ, from his work on the cross, uh, transcends all understanding. Meaning what? I mean, it's greater than any physical understanding you could have in this world. So you could take all of the understanding uh, and the intellectual um, musings of this world, and the peace of God trumps it. It's on top of it. Uh, what a way to live your life, to go through life with that peace. That's why uh, we have to understand what Jesus did for us, how profound it is. Uh, and so here he walks into this room. Is there a more agitated and confused group of men? Everything that they stood for has been trashed. Their world has collapsed. And Jesus walks into the room, and everything is changed forever. Because they look at him, and they see the reality of the resurrection. And the peace of God that Jesus did on the cross flows, flows into their understanding. Everything has changed. Uh, and so there were, there were many gifts which were the result of the death and resurrection of Jesus at the cross. One of the additional gifts was the access to the presence of God through prayer. I want you to understand this. Turn to Romans chapter 5. Therefore, verse 1, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me stop there and make sure I, I drum this home. Justified through faith, not justified through works, not justified because you're moral, not justified because you're a good person, not justified because you give money to charities, justified totally by faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, and you know, I've, been, I've recently read a biography of William Tyndall, uh, one of the uh, reformers at the time of, of uh, Martin Luther, tremendous book uh, about William Tyndall, uh, who basically translated the Bible into English. Uh, and his work in translating the Bible into English is put by many people on the level of, with William Shakespeare in terms of his ability to give us language on a high level. And yet this man was murdered. He was murdered as a martyr uh, because the church could not stand that the people would have a Bible so that they themselves could understand what the word of God was. How dare you give people a Bible that they could understand the, the word of God? 
And at the same time, when he translated the Bible, he understood that there was no need to go to a priest to confess your sins, that there was only one high priest, Jesus Christ. And that was the last thing that they wanted to hear. They wanted you to be able to be bound up by having to go through men and asking men to confess your sin. No man can forgive you of sins. No man has that authority. All right? And, and this man, William Tyndall, this reformer, this great man, wrote this book and put out the word of God uh, and ultimately suffered for it. I mean, so listen, we have to thank God that he's given us this Bible. And so there we have peace with God through Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, through him we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Well, think how, how deep that verse is. Through him we have gained access by faith into this grace, meaning we now, through faith, have access to the throne of God. Your prayers are now answered because you believe in Jesus Christ, okay? It's that simple. You believe in Jesus Christ and your prayers are answered through faith. God has given us access to the throne. And so prayer, I'm sorry to say that, prayer is not for everyone. There are millions of people in the world that are praying. They're praying to little gods. They're praying to little bigger gods. They're praying to nature. They're, they're, they're play, uh, praying to new age things, and all of it is for naught. Sorry. Okay? Sorry. I guess I can't run for president. Okay? <laughs> I guess I can't run for president, uh, and that's too bad. But, but you know what? That, that's what the Bible tells us. Okay? That's what the Bible tells you. If you want your prayers answered, there's only one way your prayers are going to be answered, through Jesus Christ on the cross giving us access to the throne of God. Uh, and this becomes clear. And Jesus made this patently clear in John 14. Let's read that again. Because this verse, to me, I wind up saying this verse probably once a day. Probably once a day. John 14. Every single funeral that I speak at, this is the, this is the message that I base all of my funerals on. Verse 6, John 14, verse 6. This is, a, this is a verse you ought to memorize. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Period. End of sentence. How much clearer could it be, ladies and gentlemen? No one. No one. The only person in the history of the world who was resurrected from the dead has just told you that as the Son of God... The divine one himself, the trinity himself, the creative agent of the universe, no one comes to the Father except through him. I mean, really, what is it that you don't get? Oh, you get it. You just don't want to hear it. You understand? You, you know the words. The words are simple. You just don't want to, you don't want to submit. And so here it is. Uh, he gives us, it's through Christ Jesus, that everything that we have, all the hopes for the future are on that cross or through him. Uh, everything that we hope for, all of our prayers, every time we bow in prayer and ask for intervention, it's through Jesus. He opened the door. Never let it be forgotten. And so here's the deal. As a result of this, uh, not only has he given us the access to the throne of God, not only has he given us a chance in which our prayers are being answered, but he has also made us co-heirs with Christ. 
This, this is incredible when I understand this and read this, that God now looks at you and me as the brothers and sisters of Jesus. Isn't that astounding? The brothers and sisters, and you look at yourself, I can say to myself, me, God, me, miserable me, with all my warts and all the things that I have wrong with me, I'm, I'm the brother of Jesus, yes, because of what was done on the cross uh, and, and I want you to understand that. And so now, God, God has given us a responsibility to spread this message. And I want you to turn, if you would, to Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God, verse 4, chapter 4, verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Meaning what? Everything that you need in this world is going to be provided to you by God because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. He's providing that. He's going to give it to you. Um, and so uh, as, you, as we drill down in this, the final point of Christ's words to the disciples on the occasion of this first appearance to them after the resurrection was now they had a job to do. Now he expected them to go out and be his messenger. That's very clear if you go back and look at John 20, and you'll see that. Verse 21. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And we're going to talk about that momentarily, about the Great Commission, because this again winds up being part of the Great Commission. It's in all of the Gospels, slightly differentiated in terms of the preludes. But here, God, Jesus is saying, just as God has sent me, you are now following me. You're doing exactly what God has sent me to do, and now I anoint you and ask you to go out and do this. And one of the things that God has asked us to do is to teach the world not just about Jesus, not just about what he did on the cross, but to demonstrate the, to people that through believing in Jesus, God will give you, you'll have the peace of God and the peace with God. Two different things. The peace of God is that abiding peace that stays with you to let you know that God would never let any harm come to you that's not within his perfect will. All right, that's the peace of God. The peace with God is the understanding that you are no longer uh, a revolutionary against God. You are no longer in open, notorious revolt, that God now looks at you as a child. Uh, and one of the things that God has, has really given to us that I've re recently studied, and it's made more of an impression on me because, frankly, I had never really heard it preached in church before, is what's referred to as the ministry of reconciliation. Turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. We'll start with 16 so we get some background. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so, so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not 
counting men's sin against them. The reconciliation of God, the ministry of reconciliation has been given to you. It's very clear in those verses. God has given you a ministry, and the ministry is to go and tell the world about reconciliation. What does that mean? It means that as believers, uh, we now are part of the family of God. That's the message that people have to understand. We are now part of the family of God. We have to tell people as you go out into the world and you speak to them about Jesus and about the cross, you have to go out and tell them that they have the chance to have a restored relationship. This is what God intended from the Garden of Eden that was broken and destroyed. They can have that restored relationship and be part of the family of God. So that when God looks at you, he says you are co-heirs with Christ. Can you imagine? You are the brothers and sisters of Christ. Now, this ministry involves the proclamation of the gospel uh, and the assurance that forgiveness of sin is available through Jesus Christ. Listen, don't tell me uh, I don't have a theological understanding to do this. There's no theological understanding that's necessary. You don't have to go to Theology 101. This is very simple. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You recognize he died on the cross? Then go out and tell somebody else. Tell somebody else about what that means to you, how you have become part of the family of God, how you've been reconciled to God by this. That's what you need to tell. And start in your family. Start in your family. And don't tell me like somebody did uh, another time in another class, I can't, I can't uh, talk to my children because uh, I believe they look at my life and they'll see that I'm a hypocrite. We're all hypocrites. If you're worried about being a hypocrite, forget it. Somebody said to me, I'll never join a church. It's full of hypocrites. And I said, and yes, we have room for one more. We got room, we got room for one more. Of course we're hypocrites. Of course, of course we're not living up to what God has done, but you don't understand that. God doesn't care about that. He looks at you through the filtering lens of Jesus Christ. And we walk towards the cross. And as we walk towards the cross, we pick up the cross and we daily walk with him. This is the day two expression of what I talk about. Uh, and that's what we're in. That's the message you have to give to a world. I mean, really, we have to proclaim this message. Take a look at John 15. John 15. This is Jesus speaking. Let's start with verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends, this is Jesus speaking. You are my friends if you do what I command. <clears throat> I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. Oh, Lord Jesus, what a great set of verses that is. That Jesus is saying to you, you are my friends, and God looks at us and says you're the brother and sister of Jesus. You're part of the family of God. Uh, and so turn also to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Back again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Well, how about that? What did you learn today? If you learn nothing else, 
You're leaving here knowing you are an ambassador for Christ. How about that? You are an ambassador for Christ. Maybe you never went to school. Maybe you never studied any theology and God didn't care. He's nominating you today as an ambassador for Christ to go out and take this message of reconciliation that the world desperately needs to hear. And he has given you the authority to go out and give it to a world that is lost. What a powerful message. Uh, So the message that we are to share is very simply this. Be reconciled to God. We implore you uh, to believe in Jesus Christ. This is a big responsibility. Every believer pays a a part in this. Uh, And so when we act like this, when we act as an ambassador of God, effectively what God is denominating for us is to be peacemakers. And God's blessed this. That is why Jesus could say to them, shalom. Because shalom, unless you're a believer in God, is a meaningless word. What peace? There's no peace. You don't believe in Jesus? You haven't accepted him on the cross? That's mere vowels stuck together. But when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and then then someone says shalom, then you know, yes, that is the peace of God, the unbelievable peace of God that stays with you and remains with you and lifts you up in so many ways. Uh, And so the words that appear here in verse 21 of John's version of the Great Commission occurs uh, five times, five times uh, in the New Testament, once at the end of each of the four Gospels and once in the opening chapter of Acts. Now, this repetition is significant. Nothing takes place in Scripture that is by accident. And so in each and every one of these instances where the Great Commission is uh, written, There's a slightly different emphasis. Turn to Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end end of the age. This is a great commission given through the authority of the Lord Jesus. The emphasis is on the authority of God. Uh, All authority in heaven comes to me. And so that part, that first great commission is based on the authority of sovereign God. Uh, In Mark, there's a slightly different emphasis. Look at Mark, if you would. Mark 16. Mark 16, verse 16. We'll start with 15. Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. How about that? Underline that. All right, will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. And by the way, don't think that because you're saved, you can go out now to the zoo and pick up a poisonous snake. Let's not go down there, all right? That's why I say we never take one verse out of context. In your way for traversing and giving the message of God, if somehow a snake bit you, you'll be protected. You understand? Just like St. Paul was protected when that poisonous viper bit him when he he was shipwrecked. Uh, But you see here, Uh, that this is more uh, uh, an emphasis on the final judgment. Why? Because who who does not believe will be condemned. 
not John Garippa saying that. It's Jesus. Who does not believe will be condemned. All right? You're a walking dead man. And so we need to understand that. Look also now at Luke 24. Luke 24. Verse 46. Verse 45. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you uh, what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And so here you see the, the Great Commission is clothed in prophecy. It's prophecy, fulfilling the prophecy of God. And then now look at Acts chapter 1, uh, because this is the last place where it appears. Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 8, verse 7. Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the time or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, and so there it is, uh, effectively the message of evangelism. Um, and so you now, just as Jesus spoke to those first century disciples, you have the Holy Spirit. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. It is that very Holy Spirit that empowers you and gives you the ability to go out to a lost world and give them this message. Uh, and so we, we need to understand this, that this is what the, ver the world needs to hear. And think about how amazing it is that Jesus came into this world. He could have stayed in heaven. God could have delivered this message somehow, some other way. Uh, and yet Jesus came and be, left his divinity behind and came into this world. He left heaven to stay here in this world for 33 years and to die the most ignominious kind of death that you could possibly do uh, in order so that you could be saved, in order that you would get the message of salvation. Now, here's, here's what I want to close on that I want you to focus on. Many of us, many of us as Christians have retreated from the world into what I will call the holy huddle. All right? The holy huddle, meaning what? I like the church. I like my friends. I like my BLGs. I like the way they speak. I like the way they dress. I feel good when I'm around them. The lost people of the world, it's like I want a megaphone so I can speak long distance. I don't want to be out there touching them. I don't want to be out there befriending them. It makes me feel a little squirrely. All right? I'll give money to people to go to the prisons, but I don't want to go to the prisons. Are you picking up a message here, folks? All right? God, and, and, I, and I preached on this last Monday, and one of the brothers unfortunately misinterpreted it. He came to me and says, but you're dragging down the ministry of Jesus Christ when you're telling us that we need to go and be where they are and to make their, their friendship, you're dragging it down. No, I'm not. Jesus spent his entire three years with sinners, with prostitutes, with people who were defrauding government in every possible way. Those are the people that Jesus stayed with. Why? Because those were the people who desperately needed Jesus. And that's the message for you here. Uh, our world needs to hear this and feel it 
and to feel this, and it begins with relationships. So as you go and speak about Jesus to a lost world, you need to develop the relationships with the lost world so that they see the evidence of Christ Jesus in your life. Your life emanates in every way what Jesus is doing through you. Look, we're not perfect by a long shot, all right? But through us, God is giving the ministry of reconciliation. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the words that you've given us today. Lord, give us the courage to hear these words and to understand the message that you've told us to go out and speak and give us the strength to start with our own families and then friends and then our clubs and then, the, then our neighbors. Let us reach out to everyone who was not saved and speak about what it means to be the friend of Jesus, the brother and sister of Jesus, to be reconciled with you, Lord. Thank you for what you have given us. Let this message grow and resonate in our heart. Bless our people, protect them, and bring them back safely next week. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.